This is season two, episode four of the Transformation Chamber with co-founder and president of Genova Health and business lawyer, Daniel Goschalk. In this episode, we talk about the value of partnership, being optimistic through adversity, and white people waking up to their privilege. With that being said, let's step into the Transformation Chamber. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Transformation Chamber. Uh, this today's episode, man, I, I'm I'm very excited. I have one of my good dear friends with me. Uh, it's a monumental time and moment for the Transformation Chamber because we have our first uh, Caucasian guest on the show. Happy to be here, but happy to have you, my guy Daniel Goschalk. Uh, let me give you a little bit about Daniel, and then we'll jump right into it. Uh, Daniel is the president and uh, co-founder of Genova Health, a very large company that's grown rapidly over the last which four years now, almost four years. Four yeah. years. Uh, he's also a lawyer. He used to practice for Baker Box here in litigation and acquisitions, not litigation, merger, merger, merger and acquisition. Yep. Did over forty billion in closing deals and merging deals, which is amazing. And but you decided to kind of go off on your own path and do something that was more uh, important to you or you felt that was important to your legacy. So, man, welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Good to be here. And we didn't even talk about the fact that you uh, listed 40 under 40 Houston Business Journal. So it just speaks a lot to your acumen and what you've been able to do. But uh, I'd love to just hear about your background, where you came from and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the reasons you and I first connected uh, back when we met through the symphony yeah. uh, was because we're kind of Brothers of the, of, the, of the homeland, which is Africa. I was Absolutely. born. I was born in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. I was actually adopted there, and uh, my family uh, was all born and raised there. And we moved to the United States when I was eight years old, mm-hmm. and uh, had a cute little accent back then. That's gone now. <laughs> it's all gone. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I, that's that's kind of my story. Um, I grew up in, in a household where my dad was a doctor, so obviously a you know privileged household where I received you know education and a lot of benefits. And, um, and yeah, I kind of looked up to my dad as an idol cause you know, my parents adopted me and he saved people's lives. Right. So kind of, you know, it was like my first, first real mentor in life was, was watching my dad save human life and, uh, you know, be involved in saving human lives and nice. kind of inspired me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, could you, um, touch on, uh, do you, how do you feel like your perspective on the world and the way that you move about uh, your daily life is a bit different from the average a uh, person who was not born in Africa, like does that you being born in Africa has that um, molded you in any way? I think it's unique for my generation in the United States, uh, but uh, just because you know I'm, I'm a millennial or as we say elder millennial, I guess. <laughs> but um, but I I I grew up in apartheid South Africa, which is like you know the '60s in the U.S. Right. I, I and so in the '80s, uh, I remember being a little kid and coming home from school. And seeing someone that, that was dragging away my chest of drawers from my parents' house because we left it there as charity. Wow. And we literally saw the, the, you know, it was a black person taking home, literally charity for us was your front lawn. Right. Like it wasn't like going to Goodwill. It was like there is poverty all around you and, and you've got to do something about it. And, uh, and it was just, it was in my face, you know, wow. d- uh, not treating people right it was in my face. Right. It was talked about a lot in my household because like, we didn't have equal rights right. for people in South Africa. Right, right, and I was, right. you know, a little kid. 
Oh man, well, a tough time too. Uh, I, I wish I could remember the name of the movie. I just watched the movie about Nelson Mandela and, and the whole apartheid and how how it just went on. What I'll do is I'll put it in the show notes. But um, moving moving along from that, and and now the man that you become today, and when you look out into the world, um, you know what is it that you see, and, and that one reminds you of home, but makes also is a reminder of how to live your life moving forward. Yeah, that's a good question. Um... I think from for many in many ways, like looking at today's environment, I'm just I feel very grateful to to you know have had a very easy life. Uh, being white has mm-hmm. made my life infinitely easier than mm-hmm. if I was born black in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would never be here, and if I was here, the United States doesn't make it any easier to Absolutely. to succeed. Absolutely. And so uh, that's a constant reminder for me, uh, and, and, and more so this year than in prior, when I was probably more ignorant of it. Um, that that man, I really. A lot of my success is not my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I, was, I, I kind of was born on third base. Wow, man. And then when you couple on top of that, the fact that you're adopted, um, how does that has that created any trauma for you or just any um, ideals that you have instilled in, in you know, kind of what you want to do and the, how you want to go about treating people? And obviously, I know you look to the future and, and you mentor kids and you mentor people. How does that all play into the man, again, the man that you are? Yeah, I mean, if you just talk to uh, my business partner, my wife, uh, they're both named Alex, which is a different story on itself. But, <laughs> but like being adopted has clearly scarred me. Uh-huh. Uh, I have uh, um, fears of abandonment that are totally unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I behave in ways sometimes out of that fear of abandonment that has made it hard for me sometimes to, you know, to to trust people or to, or to behave in ways that are healthy sometimes. Uh-huh. And so it's definitely played a role and it's been a hindrance in that regard. But, um, I also do have two loving, amazing parents right. that have done everything right by me. It doesn't change the fact awesome. that, you know, someone somewhere said they didn't want me, mm-hmm. you know? And so that weighs on you. And that weighs on you rings in the back of your head. Um, you know, I'll segue, you brought up your business partner and then your, your beautiful wife, man, you have a beautiful wife, beautiful home. Thanks for allowing us in your home, by the way. Um, your business partner, uh, Alex, uh, can, let's talk about the story. You know, you went to U of H, right? Uh, you became a lawyer. Um, did you study law at U of H too? I did. I'm a two-time I, Cougar. Oh, nice. And then you moved on to, I don't know if Baker Boss was your first job, but it is was. That, it, wow. And so there, you know, it's funny when people say they, they quit a six-figure salary, right? You, you know, not to, I'm not going to go too deep <laughs> into it, but normally they're talking about like a hundred, I made a hundred, $120,000 a year. I happen to know is way more than that. And you decide to walk away. Talk about why, why, why did you choose to do that? Yeah. I mean, the story for me goes back to U of H, honestly. Uh, I being adopted probably was a big factor in not having, uh, my, my grandparents were in South Africa. Um, I kind of had a yearning for whatever reason for, for elders in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a man named Ross Lentz was a professor at U of H. Mm-hmm. I was 19 years old. Ross diagnosed with, with pancreatic cancer. He was like my mentor and everything to me. And Ross is the guy that told me to go be a lawyer. He said, Daniel, you're, you're a great writer. You're really analytical. Go be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he gets diagnosed with cancer and it's pancreatic cancer. He doesn't have a wife, doesn't have kids. Uh, myself and a group of pretty naive students decide, we love this man. We're going to take care of him 24 hours a day from the day of diagnosis to the day he passed away. So I did a, I worked for, for Ross as a caregiver uh, for free. Wow. Uh, just, you know, go to school, go to work. I get home like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I did the overnight shift you know, three days a week. Um, it was, he was, he was on his, on his, uh, on his deathbed right, essentially right, for six right. months. He's passed away. So I graduate undergrad. I go to law school. Why? Cause Ross told me to go right, to law school. Right. <laughs> then I'm practicing law and I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it. I love the people. I love my clients, you know, doing these big fancy deals. My parents are really proud of right, me. Right. Um, 
and I just didn't feel like I had in my heart what I had when I was a caregiver, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy, right? It just didn't have that same feeling. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to build something. I knew I wanted to make a difference, and I knew I wanted to feel that way I felt. Absolutely. And if and if business is hard and you're going to fail at a lot of things, what's going to get you up again is is loving what you do. Absolutely. So I was like, Ross is my inspiration. Get leave the law, oh, wow. in the law and wow. out of the law. Interesting. And that's that's what got me into into what I do today. And then uh, also before we get into what you do today. Um, you also took care of your own mother. Uh, was it mother? Or? No, I, I didn't. T- my business partner was taking care of his mother with, with breast cancer okay. and his grandmother with dementia. Dementia. I Sorry, had a yeah. grandmother uh, with dementia, and so I saw firsthand what I did to her life. Right, right, right. Um, so so I was not that. her caregiver. Yeah, now. yeah. Sorry about that. But but that that uh, understanding and being able to see how uh, what the elderly have to deal with right late in their later years, and how sometimes they could just be deteriorating with no one around them to love them, to oh, care yeah. for them, and proper care and just effective care, which leads into the company that you decide to start or you left and join with your business partner, Genova health, mm-hmm. uh, along with family tree. And, and I know there's a, some symbiotic relationship between the two and maybe you can talk and speak into that and then speak to what you guys specialize in and what yeah. you guys do. So my business partner, before I even knew the guy, uh, in, back in 2011, 2012, started Family Tree, a caregiving agency. Mm-hmm. Very basically put caregivers in the home of the, of the elderly to help with activities of daily living, bathing, dressing, cleaning, everything you were able to do this morning right. yourself. I oh, hope you bathe right. today. <laughs> so, so he started that company by himself. Yeah. I came in in 2017, about three and a half years ago. As his business partner, and we became 50-50 partners in order to grow his business from just being caregiving and being in Houston, we had a much bigger vision together um, be, to do something bigger than that. Right. And so what we really envision for our business is to be a one-stop shop for aging. If, you want to t- if your loved one is going through a lot of really hard things in life from managing the household to having a caregiver to maybe needing nursing tasks, mm. from A to Z, we want to be with you and, and walk the walk with you and take care of you. And so we're a services business and all, we don't have any assets. We just have people mm-hmm. and the people come to your home every day and they, they help make your life better That's as you're amazing. aging. That's amazing. And then, uh, and, and so Genova has now expanded. You started in Houston. So Genova is the parent company. Right. Family Tree was, is our largest operating company. Mm-hmm. We have another operating company and they will all one day be merged into just it's Family one, Tree right. and it'll be one brand. But today it's, it's, it's you know, multiple it's, brands. It's so funny because I met you. Speaking of service, I, we met at, a, I think, a Big Brothers Big Sisters luncheon. That's right. You know, you are already in a space to do some good. And I remember I met you and you... We, you, we took an interest to each other, but I didn't know at the time that you were kind of struggling with the career you were in and where you felt you should be. And, you know, if you were to tell me what you were planning, I would say you're crazy. But you didn't. You yeah. took me out. We went out for tacos. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I'm just talking to business owners to see, you know, what's, what's yeah. the landscape like. And, and then, boom, you're like, yeah, I left my job. I was scared. <laughs> Started yeah. a business is amazing. But I say that to say what you were at that moment, you didn't know exactly what's next. You knew what you wanted to invest in, where you wanted to put your time in. And now you guys have grown and you're managing over 1,000 employees, which is insane, you know, from Denver to Houston and different uh, cities around Texas. Mm-hmm. And, and what it, show, it just goes to show what happens when you follow, um, I don't want to say necessarily passion, but when you follow your heart and where you think it means the most to your life, right? Yeah. And so that leads me into ask, have you given any thought to, you know, what is your purpose have you been able to like surmise it and say my purpose on this earth is x y and z yeah um i i think our business is a beautiful mission a, a beautiful combination of mission and margin mm-hmm. there's there's an industry that's antiquated and old and been around for 50 years has done things the same way mm-hmm. and there's a business opportunity to do it better 
And that's, that's the margin. Like we can, we can make money doing this better. Absolutely. Um, and then there's mission. Like we can also, by, by doing business better, we can improve people's lives better. And so to me, I've always wanted to build something that was just fun for me to build and feel like I accomplished something. Like, like, like when you plant flowers in the, in the, in the yard, right? you like, you feel like you did something. Uh-huh. And um, I guess I did a lot at the law firm that I was really proud of, but I was really envious of my clients that I feel like they were, they were putting things on the line. And, and like I said before, I think I've had a very privileged life and, and as, as hard of, as I feel like I've worked, mm-hmm. my life hasn't been a struggle to, to feed myself, to do things. And so to me, it was like, if, if this is what my life is, why not take a risk somewhere? Right, right. And, you know, and, and for me, it was, it was all about taking a risk to do something bigger than myself. And I couldn't have done it without a, my business partner Absolutely. and I couldn't have done it without our team, but it was all about like pushing myself beyond what I thought I could do because mm-hmm. I realized I wasn't really as great as I thought it was. My life was kind of, was, you know, my parents strongly yeah. encouraged education yeah. and, and, and I was forced almost to, to have a successful career right, at right. all. You know, like it was, right. I had a lot of guiding hands showing me the path and I wanted to kind of do something that made them all freak out and myself freak out Man. and do it myself and be like, you know what? I am worth something. Mm-hmm. I, I can do something. And That's amazing, bro. I do deserve love. That's, you know, yeah, they did they have fear of abandonment to me. There we go. Oh man, congratulations! First of all, man, I'm I'm proud of you. I don't know if I've told you, but <laughs> to see the whole transition is amazing. Um, so let's get into the, the whole purpose of the show is is to talk about transformations, right? And and you've already told us. I mean, being adopted, right? Being born in South Africa uh, during apartheid, you know, just all these different things that you're you're going through. Um, if can you pinpoint one thing that that caused maybe your greatest transformation that you woke up and said, you know what, Daniel, from this day forward. I'm moving in this direction. Is there something that sticks out? I don't think, honestly, that there's one moment ever. I, I think that anything worth doing, like going to the gym, is about repetitions mm-hmm. and like repeating good decisions. And, and and for me, it's 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 like having those bad days. And you're like, I gotta keep working at it. And I I'll never forget. You know, for me, I would talk endlessly to my wife mm-hmm. about what my dreams were. Mm-hmm. And one day, she said, Daniel. Just go do it. Right. If that's what you're going to do one day, one day. One day. <laughs> all I hear about is one day. Go do it. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, how do we like pay our bills? And like, like we have this lifestyle. And, uh, just go do it. And, and she's probably the driving force to me leaving what was comfortable to me and going yeah. to do something. But, um, but, you know, I would say every other thing in my life has just been forcing myself to repeat good decisions right, right, that were man. hard to repeat. Shout out to having a good woman behind you, man. Yeah. Um, can you um, take us through a time where you may have taken a major loss or almost wanted to quit specifically with the, the new business? And when, when it, when it just, you look like maybe I made a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so uh, you know, I think I'm a really smart guy. Right. And uh, I can show my business partner what it's like, you know, I come from bigger bots. Like, so and I can do all this right, stuff. Right. <laughs> we lost money for the first time in the company's history for three straight months. The moment I stepped foot oh, in, the, wow. in the business and uh, we shrank a little bit and uh, we just made a ton of bad decisions and mm-hmm. a ton of mistakes. And um, the company was really small, was single site. Um, it was, it was large for its, for, for the industry, but mm-hmm. it was a small business and, mm-hmm. and, um, and we couldn't really afford to lose money. And, um, and so, yeah, there was moments where I was like, man, is he going to not want to work with me anymore? Like, is this, <laughs> was this mistake on his part and right, mine? Right. And it was really scary. We, we, you know, sometimes you, you hire the wrong people, you spend a bunch of money in the wrong direction, chasing some dream that's not really re- realistic. And we did a lot of bad decisions, uh, probably mostly stemming from my decisions that first few months. Man, that's insane. Is, is, would you say that there's a, any particular thing that, uh, 
allowed you guys to turn it around? Was, was you know the bad in the bad decisions? Was it just something like, oh, okay, we weren't considering this, or or was it just we just needed to stick through and we found a light at some point? I think it was sticking through. Okay, uh, for us, it was learning from our mistakes and being honest with each other. Uh, partnership is about as hard as marriage, um, if not harder, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it was about being real with each other and, and holding each other accountable and being like, okay, so we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're 50, 50 and we gotta, we gotta solve this. Nice. And so it was just a lot of grit and fight to get past it all, but and not, and not, and not making it emotional and blaming, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was probably a healthy part of it too. Sweet. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm very bad at taking ownership of my own mistakes and I've had to learn how to do that. And my business partner has, has helped me do that in, in business. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I for the first time in my That's career tough. was like, it was me. I screwed yeah. up. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, taking ownership of your own mistakes. I'm going to pause right there and just let you uh, just kind of tell us the lessons that you learned about that and how tough it was in the beginning. I've had, I've had my own experiences with that, but what have you learned since now you've taken on that new uh, ideology to be able to do such a thing? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just like knowing myself better than I have ever known myself before. And, and I don't know myself very well um, at this point, but I so you know it better than I did. Uh-huh you know, three, four, five right. years ago. And uh, I subscribe to, I think everyone needs a tool to, to learn, to learn themselves. And mm-hmm. I subscribe to something called the Berkman. Okay. And the Berkman's like a, so essentially a personality assessment. It's very in depth and, it, and it, it tells you everything that your loved ones already right. know about you, right. but you're not willing to admit to yourself Absolutely. and uh, not taking responsibility is one thing, one thing that, that um, it's always plagued me since I was a little kid. And um, yeah, that, that's, and, it, and there's a million things that I need to learn about um, besides just that. I took the Berkman as well. Was it you that referred Probably. me to uh, Bernard? Bernard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I took the uh, the Berkman too. And so I, I highly encourage you guys to look it up. It's the Berkman. Is it the Berkman exam? Or it's a Berkman the, test. Ber- Berkman test. Yeah. Uh, look and and it reading it once isn't enough. You uh-huh. got to every look, month you pull gotta it keep out. It. Yeah. Like, what I learned this month? <laughs> I still have the PDFs in my email every now and then. But you learn a lot about yourself, good, bad, and ugly, uh, stuff that you don't want to face. So uh, yeah, you know, you guys, uh, for, for my listeners, people watching on YouTube, definitely check it out. Go look it up. And, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, after you take it, comment on the page or wherever you can. But I'd love to hear from you guys and what you think about it. Um, moving on. So we talked about the growth of Genova and kind of where you are now. What do you see moving forward next 10 years and what you've been able to do? And I don't know if I've made a big enough deal about how big this company is and how, how big you've grown, but I just think it's, it's amazing to see it. And so, um, what do you, what do you guys see moving yeah. forward? I listen, we're, we're in a really challenging industry and, uh, as much as we've accomplished a lot in our space, it, there's so much more to go. We, we view ourselves as infants still mm-hmm. in, in what we're trying to build. Like we, we're, we're not yet accomplished in our minds. I don't think we'll ever be satisfied probably because there's always something to improve. Uh, in our industry, nurses and caregivers don't get paid enough. Right. You know, there's, there's a gap in care. There's, there's so many problems with our, with our systems and processes and procedures. But all we want to do is improve what we're offering our community. Absolutely. Can we provide a better place for someone to age and have we built something that's, that's worthy of building. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think if we do that, you know, the, the success will come at, at, a, at a level that we can't even dream of yet because we're still on this path to actually building something that's, that's really worthwhile. Just mm-hmm. cause we're better than most. doesn't mean that we're anywhere close to what we should be at. Right. You know what I mean? That's a good mindset to have. It's, it's hard to stay humble when you're succeeding. Does that make sense? Like, but when you, the more humble you can stay, the more success they usually follow. So yeah. that's pretty good. What do you feel? This is a kind of a weird out of the blue question. Do you feel that you have arrived? No. Whatever that means. No, I think oh, we look successful from the outside. 
um, from all the typical parameters, what's your revenue, how many employees mm-hmm. do you have, how many cities are you in? It, these are all egotistical numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, have I changed my industry? Have mm-hmm. I actually made it a better place for a caregiver to work in, in Houston mm-hmm. or in Austin or in San Antonio? And uh, until I can definitively say every single person that works for me um, or works with me, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, and whether they be a client or a caregiver, my team, until they're all actually better off than they were before, meaningfully, I don't think we've arrived. Wow. Okay, man. So I'm a, that's just, no, no, that's, that's good. Real. No, that's, that's good. Real. I mean, you know, again, I could, I could pick at that all day. I'm like, well, man, you drive a really nice car and like this house that we're in, you know what I mean? And so to hear you say, I haven't arrived, that's beautiful. And for people to understand, you know, the, the bigger your heart is, the more work you're going to want to do. And no matter the level of success and how much money is in the bank, it's not about that. It's about impact. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and I'll be, and I'll be honest, you know, my business partner and I, and this is one trick of the trade. If you want to build something really meaningful mm. is everything in this house was paid for by my wife. Mm. She's successful in her own right. Nice. My wife is the one that told me, it's okay, Daniel, you go do what makes you happy and, and, and it's going to be good for you in your life. Yeah, man. I'm going to take care of the bills. Yeah. And so I have only reinvested all the profits of my company, and there are many, but back into the people, right. back into the business to grow the business. So we're, we aren't, my business partner and I, taking a lot out of it. We are just putting it all back in. And I think that's the, probably the reason why we have grown so much faster than that's all of our amazing. competitors in our, in our markets. There are certainly competitors that are much bigger than us out there. But um, but that's that's one of the keys is that there's not enough money to pay yourself well and to grow this business. Right, you right. can't do it all. Listen, the main thing you guys should take from this episode is get a good woman behind you. Or <laughs> a good man. Yeah, you should interview her, not me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, no, um, I'll switch gears a little bit. And I thank you for being so transparent and open. Um, let's look at the climate of 2020, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, obviously, uh, election. All this went on. This year has just been off the charts, obviously. How has it affected you in your personal life and business life and all those different areas? I don't know where to start. It's been the worst <laughs> year imaginable. Um, business obviously suffered during a shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we couldn't even get folks into our clients' homes uh, because of the shutdown. We were an essential wow. service. I didn't consider that. Um, but, but, but in certain instances, like maybe a senior living community, they would not allow caregivers to go into the facility. But into people's homes, as an essential service, we're allowed in. But some people, if it wasn't necessary, wouldn't allow us in. Right. Um, and that went on for, for a couple of weeks. Um, just in, our employees are burned out. They're tired. Um, we're in healthcare. So right. how many of our employees are black? A lot. Yeah. Um, so how many of our caregivers are black and nurses are black? A lot. People right. in our office, administration are black? A lot. And so you, you, you want to pile on covid right. with all the events of 2020 yeah, and the final realization of the world that we're living in and white people waking up right. myself included uh i don't even know how what it's like to be a black person at my right, company right, coming right. to work and for for a white person right in in a in an organization run by two white males man and what are they going through you're like so is productivity down i have to imagine it wow. is you know is burnout high yeah absolutely that's insane i didn't even consider that part of it dude like um man Whew. How, how did you, how did you handle, how, like, you know, what did you guys do? How did you- I'm uncomfortable like, every day. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know what to do. Um, honestly, I don't know the answers. Yeah. I, I know um, at the end of the day, uh, it, we have a duty to treat each other fairly. Absolutely. And we have to do our best we can possibly do. And we have to do better. Myself, my business partner, uh, our company, uh, my neighbors, my friends. Uh, I know we got to do better. Um, and and I, I need help to do it. Man, for, just thank you for that transparency, Daniel. 
it, and I know it's not that simple to be transparent like that, especially on a platform like this. But but I just want to say thank you for uh, trying to understand the fight that we're going through and, and being considerate of your employees. Uh, you were telling me about how you you took an extra step to send out an email about, you know, Black Lives Matter, which is a very risky thing to do as a, a boss of such a large company. Why did you feel the need to do that? Why, why put your business on the line uh, for these employees? Yeah, I, I mean, I felt like people had to hear from us in more than just like a generic statement that said mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we m- make money because people that can afford our services, who are usually older white people, have employed us to have a healthcare worker in right. their home. Right. And those people that are sending us money are are typically of a generation that may struggle with these issues a lot more than right. mine, and mine struggles right. plenty. And, um, and so we felt like this could be bad for business, but our business is not our clients. Mm-hmm. Our business is our people. We have no assets besides our people that clock in every day and mm-hmm. they clock out every day. And if, if they're not there, we don't have a business. Anymore. Right, right. And so for us, it was just a, a, an opportunity to have an honest conversation that, listen, first and foremost, the, the message was like, I'm sure no one wants to hear from these two white guys. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure a lot of people just deleted the email before they could even read it. Right. They, they were like, who cares what these guys think? Right. Um, and we just wanted to acknowledge that our, our opinion doesn't even count for much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it does because uh, we don't even, we, we're confused about what to do. Right, right. But what we wanted to say was we wanted to recognize that our positions as these two white males in this company was generated by being born with white skin right. and no part from that. And so, yeah, it, it, we just wanted people to know that we know we have white privilege and we recognize it. And I don't know what else to do when we're learning. And that's yeah. all we really want to get across. I mean, you know, I think the main thing, and, and um, we talk about this a lot with me and some of my friends is um, we just need um, white people to listen. Right. Right now. Don't even give a rebuttal. Don't even give a response. Just listen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, that may be something I don't know if you guys choose to do with some of those employees that, you know, are feeling it right now. Just give them a chance to talk internalize it, take it all in. And, and, and maybe you come up with an answer. Maybe you come up with a strategy. Maybe you don't, but at least they feel heard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and it, they, I'm glad that. we I love that. Yeah, no. Uh, and I'm glad we went this way because I was going to talk about just social injustice in America. And you may or may not have an answer for this, but what are some things you think we could, should do as a country, as a country as a whole to, to take steps in the right direction? Have you given any thought about that? That's heavy. Um, as as a, as a country, I, man, I don't even know where to begin because um, I don't know. I'm not I, I'm not smart enough to know how we move this giant ship right. and it's make a, a complete left turn. It's a big one. Um, I know as individuals, we have a lot of work to do. Um, I think that you know, as white people, we have to have these conversations mm-hmm. with 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 each other, mm-hmm. um, not just people we trust. That my wife and I can talk all day long about right. about these issues. It doesn't help if we don't talk to other members of our family who may view this very differently. Mm-hmm. And and just because I don't like what they're saying doesn't mean I need to like shut them out or not talk to them or yell at them and scream at them. I just think we need to have honest conversations Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. And so I think it's I think it's powerful for white people to hear from other white people and just sit down and listen to each other to have different opinions because we don't agree mm-hmm. always on, on, on that's very interesting. On. Yeah. The white people who are quote unquote uh, allies, your job at this point is to almost speak up, like speak up mm-hmm. to your counterparts, your white counterparts who, who don't agree. Um, and, and 
just that alone will let them know that, hey, you're it's no longer this mass amount of people who still think the way people were thinking in the 60s and in the 50s. It, you're almost on an island by yourself. Like we're progressive, like we talked about being progressive, realizing that like all people are equal. Right. You know, you think about it's the idea that black people were three fifths of a man. That's insane. But you know yeah. what? OK, it happened. Now we need you guys to realize and recognize like, hey, it's not been a fair slate for us. Uh, and so what can we do? What what are you doing to help advance this cause? And not, and not necessarily saying that you're trying to advance black people, but are you at least recognizing the gap and saying, what can I do to close this gap? What can I do to level out some things? And and I'm obviously your work staff is uh, I don't I don't know what percentage you say, but you depends on the office, actually. Yeah. So in Houston, there's, there's a significant portion, more than 50 percent of beautiful of folks that are on the ground, boots to the ground doing health care work sweet. Uh, that, that are black. Yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet. Awesome. And so uh, here's a here's a, a, a pretty challenging question for you. Uh, I can't wait to ask you this because I've asked uh, several black people. What would you say to a room full of racist white people? But I'm going to ask you if you if you had to do your best to answer. Right. You know, if you had to stand in front of a room of, um, let's say, oppressed black people, um, which I mean, most all of us are oppressed. But, you know, we just haven't been afforded the same opportunities of you, as you. We just, you know, maybe there's some trauma here and there from what our ancestors experienced. And and we all lend you our ear. Uh, what would you say to that? That group. I, I don't deserve your ear, um, but uh, I think um, I think the only thing I can say is is for me personally, I'm sorry that it took eight minutes of watching a man die at the hands of a police officer in 2020 at age 35 to figure out just how great the divide is between your life and mine. I thought I knew, and I had no idea, and it took me this long. I, I'm ashamed of it. I'm sorry. That's probably all I got. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, that's more than what you know. I think uh, I can speak for several black people who feel like this country has just never truly said, I'm sorry. So they, we've done all these things to dance around it and created all these organizations and these programs. And, you know, it, they've given out some subsidies and all these things, but nobody stopped and said, you know what? We messed up. We're yeah. sorry. So I appreciate that from the bottom bottom of my heart. I can feel your sincerity, which is the reason why you're on the show. Like sure. I, I, I know you. The day I met you, I knew you were different. I mean, of course, you know we're both from Africa, so that's the thing. I can't say that yeah. about all the white people I meet. <laughs> so, man, I appreciate that, Daniel. Um, um, another question I wanted to ask, just kind of get out of that tone for a little bit, but, but it was, it was much needed. And I knew I wanted to go there with you and I hope it helps some people that are listening. Um, just thinking about moving on, thinking about legacy. How often do you think about your legacy on a day to day when you're working, when you're with your wife, um, just when you're with your friends, how often does it occur to you and, and how important is it to you? Yeah, I, um, I, I struggle with it sometimes cause I, I, I want to be remembered well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I'm at my worst, you know, you don't want people to remember you that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I know I think about legacy a lot with my business. I want to leave a mark on an industry that I think is desperate in need of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm lucky to have a business partner that's very mission-driven as well. Um, and so for me, the, the business for me is probably the greatest way to leave, leave a legacy on a large group of people mm-hmm. on an industry that I believe needs a lot of change. 
Um, and personally, um, I just want to remember, be remembered for being a fun guy. Right. I, I want people dancing at right. my funeral, you right. know, like, like telling funny stories and, <laughs> yeah. and having a dance party and, and having a drink on me and, Absolutely. you know, like I want that. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, and so I do think about on the personal side with legacy, I, I'm not so ambitious on the personal side. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I want to have a beautiful life with my, with my wife and I, and we want to have kids one day mm-hmm. and I, I want a legacy that leaves them being good people Absolutely. and and having a heart that is uh, is worthy of having open to other people. Um, but that's not very ambitious. It's just I just want to leave the world with good offspring. You know, that's beautiful, man. But yeah, that's beautiful, bro. Okay, I think it's time to get into rapid fire. This has been a a, a really uh, insightful interview. <laughs> you know, you you just um, you just told me about a, a certain condition that you're dealing with before we started recording. Is it okay to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Talk about that. And, and the reason why I bring it up is because, yes, you do have wh- white privilege. Uh, but when you talk about the ability to remain optimistic through adversity, you know what I mean? And you tell me, first you tell me again, you were adopted and you, you have trauma around that. Right. And then you're at a stage now where you've just learned a few years ago that you have a condition that is almost seemingly irreversible. But yet you are so optimistic about it and I'll let you speak to it. But what I love the most is that you said, Oh yeah, no, I'm going to keep living on and I'm going to keep doing what I do and I'm going to keep being great for as long as I can. And nothing like this is going to stop me. Can you one speak to the condition that you're dealing with, but two, um, how it's motivated you. Mm -hmm. Right. And and how you um, refuse to let something like this slow you down. And the reason why I think it's important because so many people are dealing with things that they think it's okay for me to quit now. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to stop now. Oh, you know what? I have this uh, reason to not be so great anymore. But your energy, you, I didn't get that at all. The way you, <laughs> way you spoke about it, I was like, I'm over here like, what? Oh, what? And you're like, yeah, yeah, but it's the thing. I'll keep moving forward. Could you speak to that for a little bit? Yeah. Uh, my condition that I'm ridiculously charming? <laughs> okay, yeah. No, that one too. Uh, so <laughs> no. so uh, it is not clear what I, exactly what I have, but I clearly have a genetic eye disease uh, mm-hmm. that looks a lot clinically like retinoschisis. And it is essentially the, the deterioration of the of the retina to the point that my central vision is blurred, and I'm literally slowly but surely going blind. Mm-hmm. And it's it's especially bad at night, mm-hmm. and so I, I can't drive at night. Um, it's just not safe. Right. Um, I can. If my my wife were here, she'd say I could barely drive in the day. That ain't safe either. Um, <laughs> I can barely drive, in the day and I can see fine. <laughs> uh, but no, it's made it very difficult to do a lot of things that are just. You know, if I watch a basketball game, I, I can't see the score. Right. I mean, I got a big TV and I can't see the score. Right. Um, if I am sitting in front of a computer all day long, as I, like I did as a lawyer, I, I found myself, it was 2013 when I found out that I, that I had something was going on. Mm-hmm. I just found that I, it looked like the, the screen was blurry all the time. Like, mm-hmm. why is the screen so blurry? I can't see it. And so I blow my screen up bigger and bigger and bigger. And then and, and very slowly but progressively, this has gotten a little bit worse. Right. Now I'm always like, it's fine, honey. I'm always like, how are your eyes doing? Man, that's fine. I am eternally optimistic to a fault. You know, I need some reality checks in my life sometimes, but yeah, it it helps me to say, listen, this is an aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't define me. Mm -hmm. So I can still go to the beach and enjoy the beach. Right. I can still hang out with my friends and I can still watch the, the, for the most part, the game. Right. If I can't see subtitles in a movie, I just don't watch that movie usually. And I get around it. But it's not a reason to just give up on life. Absolutely. So yeah, I've you know don't have a big thing for foreign films because I can't see the damn uh, subtitles. subtitles right. But like 
and I, I can't drive and I, I do love to drive um, as much as I would like. I, I can't do certain things. Um, and it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and sometimes I struggle to admit that, that, mm-hmm. that it's going on, but I really didn't get one life. Yeah. It's not worth me to def- let this right. define me. Yeah. You know? That's amazing, bro. That, I mean, this has been great. Okay. So we're going to do rapid fire. So I didn't tell you this was coming. So I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> so rapid fire. The, the, uh, the only rule is to answer as fast as you can. It's <laughs> just the only rule. Okay. Uh, try not, you know, just whatever comes to the mind, try not to think too hard. So I'll start, I'll say a word. And then you say the first thing that makes you think of, you know, think of that word. So if I say green, you say my study, right? My study room or whatever, just yeah. get it out. And then we'll do it this or that. And a couple other things easy to know. So I'll start with the word family. My first thought is my wife, Alex, and my dog, Tucker, who's battling cancer right now. Sweet. Uh, man, I didn't know that. <laughs> I was just about to run right past that. Okay, great. He's a badass. He's, he's, he's made it more than a year past where they, they said he would. He's, nice. He's maybe stronger than I am. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude. Okay. Legacy. I think first about my business. Justice. I absolutely think about George Floyd. Absolutely. First thing. Community. Community. I think, I think about my, my business again. Wealth. I think about the, um, I think my family. Ally. Ally. You just talked about ally in the sense of, of, of allies of, of black people. And so that's my thought first mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. I think normally that would not be my first thought, which is probably insightful. Interesting. I think about ally financial who's, my credit. Anyways, uh, success. <sighs> That's family. Family. Favorite food? Uh, Mediterranean, for sure. Favorite movie? Uh, we're not big movie people in this, in this house, but uh, like something silly, like old school. Old school. Favorite superhero? <laughs> Wasn't a superhero guy, really, but um, I, I, was into, I was into Batman. Batman, kid. cool. I'll, take, I'll go there. Okay, this is a this or that. You just... As fast as you can. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Money or free time? Money. Mullet or mohawk? Mohawk. City or countryside? Countryside. Would you rather have your wife upset at you or your mother-in-law? Uh, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Goschalk is? A great guy. <laughs> okay. If I had a superpower, it would be? To understand how other people feel. Mm-hmm. If you could teleport anywhere in the world, where would you go? Back to South Africa. South Africa, nice. Describe yourself in three words. Three words. All right. Uh, energetic, um, <laughs> talkative, um, <laughs> just big, big heart. Just yeah. a lot of emotion. Emotional I, guy. I second all of those things. <laughs> I can confirm all of those things. All right. This is a special one. I've never done this one before. I hope you pass. But if you don't, I still love you. Things black people say. <laughs> so let's oh, see. Oh, man, this is unfair. <laughs> no, it's not. It should be easy, I think. I don't know. All right, here we go. Peace, love, and... Okay, we're going to go to... Don't worry. The blacker the berry, the sweeter the... Uh, the juice. Hey, there we go. We got one. Man, I'm like, uh-uh. Can I... <laughs> judge right now. No, I'm no, like, no. Oh. It's cool. It's all in fun. It's I'm all in nervous. Fun. Too legit to... Quit. Easy. Mama ain't raised no. Oh, I think of bad things. I don't know what that one is. <laughs> Slacker. Uh, no. no, it's not it. Mama ain't raised no fool. Okay. Uh, 
trying to make a dollar out of nothing. That works, but yeah, that works too. Out of 15 cents is the answer. And the other one was peace, love, and soul. You got some homework to do. No, you're good. I promise. <laughs> you're good. This is, you know, this is just for fun. That's Don Cornelius. Uh, so the next thing is the obituary question. All right. So it's the year uh, 20, I mean, 2200, right? We're in the far distant future. We're at your funeral. Uh, Daniel was a great man. Um, what do you think your obituary reads? Um, I think my obituary would read that I was a, uh, hopefully my, my wife would be very pleased with this. Daniel and Alex lie here together, dying within seconds of each other. <laughs> she doesn't want me to live longer than her. Um, and he was a lover of animals, a lover of people, a big hearted, emotional person that loved to laugh, was, uh, sometimes quick to anger, mm-hmm. but always quick to forgive and love others. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, um, I don't need a long obituary. Um, Sweet. I just good. want my kid to be a great kid and leave, leave a good little legacy behind. I love it. That's good. Okay. The people want to know, the people want to know, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching right now? It doesn't have to be motivational, inspirational. If it is great, but if yeah. it's not, you know, just what are you doing when no one knows what you're doing? Um, right now we are struggling in our business. Mm-hmm. Um, because we manage more people than we've ever managed before. And we're trying to build a team to do that. Okay. And, and our team is, is, is crucial for that. So books on team building and, uh, and learning how to be a good team player myself. Sweet. It's no longer enough for me. My business partner just be awesome and drag everyone behind us. We've got to be good teammates. Right, right, right. So one of the good books is uh, The Five Dysfunctions of the Team okay. by Lencioni. It's just fantastic. It's easy to read. Um, it helps you to figure out um, how people interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great one. Um, the Ideal Team Player is a great book to read if you want to hire people. Okay. Um, those are those are ones that we are personally struggling with a lot sweet, right now. Sweet, nice. That's good. So that's reading. Are you listening to anything? Podcast, music, any anything? What are you I've been working so much lately that to me it's like it's music. music. It's just like who do you listen to? We. Um, my wife and I have a mutual love of the Dave Matthews band. Oh, just sweet. Like, you know, I love r- Dave rock and band. jazz mixed together. Yeah. Um, and I've got, you know, like childish music that I listen to still, like okay. my old, my old punk rock stuff I like. Okay. And, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's a mixture of like my wife, I like to dance. So like EDM music and nice. some, some party stuff. Nice, like to, nice, like nice. Dance too. And watching, is there anything you watch in your leisure? Um, we aren't big movie people, mm. um, although my wife comes from a movie family. But we are watching Yellowstone the TV show right now, and it's 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 exceptional. Okay, uh, and Succession is uh, we're anxiously awaiting the next. Nice, season. nice, Succession. nice. All right, man, we're almost there. So the last thing I like to ask, I always like people. You can do either of the two: <clears throat> the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given, or the greatest piece of advice that you like to give. You can do both, either one. Doesn't matter. I'd rather not give any advice because you probably make mistakes if you listen to me. Um, I mean, that's the advice. It's, it's okay to make mistakes. Cause all we do is make mistakes and you got to learn from them. Right. Um, the greatest advice I've ever received. Um, my dad actually uh, has really great advice that I've, I've failed to listen to a few times. Um, my dad believes that you shouldn't have more than one, maybe two big things happening in a year. Uh, for example, uh, starting a new business and having a, a child and getting married. That's just too many big things in your life to do any of them really well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I want to run down in the hill and, you know, like pick all the apples off the tree. Right. And 
sometimes you just got to pick one and just do a really good job at it. And um, I think that's something that if I listened to him more often, I'd make less mistakes. That's beautiful, man. It reminds me of, um, I think Will Smith talked about how if you want to build a wall, you focus on laying one brick very well, like just one brick at a time and put your all into that one brick. And eventually you have a wall, but you're looking at the whole picture you probably, you know, end up doing yourself a disservice, taking shortcuts and, or even just getting discouraged altogether. So that's beautiful, man. Daniel, God's chalk, man, my brother, I'm so glad that I could get you on the show. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for being an ally to black people. Thank you for having these conversations. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on a beautiful businessman and a lovely wife. And I'm looking forward to what else you produce in this lifetime, my brother. So. So this has been another episode of Transformation Chamber. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks again for tuning in to the Transformation Chamber. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. To find out more about Daniel Gottschalk, follow him at Gottschalk Daniel or visit genovahealth.com. To find out more about the Transformation Chamber, visit my website at joshuatdada.com or follow me at joshuatdada. Until next time, peace.